Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 165. Boy, is it an exciting one for me, but also, boy, has it been a stressful one, and have I got a story for you. It's with Ben and Jerry's, which is very... Anyone who listens to the podcast regularly know I'm obsessed with Ben and Jerry's or follows me on social media. I'm a big fan, and after mentioning them a lot a little while ago, they invited me to just come to the barn and have ice cream with them. So I was like, yeah, I'll do that. So I went and did that. And when I was there, I learned a lot about them as a company and thought they'd make a really good podcast. Um, and two things that I'd got to do on this podcast is try a new flavour and l- launch a brilliant new campaign, a refugee campaign. But we'll get to that before that. So we record. I went... To the barn, not last Friday, the Friday before, and I'd had a hectic week. And I was driving to the barn in Slough to record the podcast. Then I was driving to a hotel in Birmingham to sleep there, and I'd be halfway or a bit of the way up to Edinburgh because I was going to the Edinburgh Fringe to see Sage Francis, B. Dolan, and Rob Alton, the speech development family. So, record the podcast, it's great. We try this new ice cream, it's amazing, more about that in a bit. Um, and then I drive to Birmingham, I get to my hotel, and I'm like, look, I'm a goddamn professional. I got stuck in loads of traffic, but it was fine. I had a good podcast under my belt. I had some good podcasts to, uh, to listen to. So, oh, on the way there, I was listening to Paulie Shaw on Joe Rogan Experience. Crazy episode. It's odd and weird, and Paulie Shaw's an odd gentleman, but it's really interesting. Um, so I get to my hotel, and I'm like, right, I'm a professional. I'm gonna. I've got a little. If you've read the book, which gives all the tech tech breakdown of what I use, I've got this little mixing desk. Cause I'm gonna take that into the hotel with me, convert the files, and send them off to Buddy Peace, nice and early. And I get in my hotel. I check in. I plug it all in. I convert it. And it converts really quickly. And I'm like, that's odd. And then I look at each individual file. Like My stuff records three separate streams for uh, the three separate mics in this chat. And I look and they're all five minutes, 28 seconds long. And I'm like, right, it was an 80-minute conversation. Why? What? 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 Why? What? And then I look and something's corrupted or something's gone wrong and the first five minutes have recorded and the rest haven't and I'm sitting there and I'm just staring at it in my hotel room in Birmingham on my own just going like what what's what's happened what what's going on um and it was genuinely horrible and stressful because there was nothing I could do about it and I knew I hadn't pressed stop or anything because I knew how long the podcast was because I keep an eye on the time so the time was ticking over and it was seeming to register so it should have all been recording and it hadn't and I was distraught <laughs> I've, I've done 164 episodes up to now and I've never had one that's gone wrong I don't record a backup because I've never had to I've got really good equipment I'm a I've been doing this a while. I feel I've got a, a reasonably high standard. But um, it wasn't there. And what was worse, 
I was on my way up to Edinburgh and it was a Friday. So I emailed the gang at Ben and Jerry's and was aware I wasn't going to get a response over the whole weekend because everyone's off work, right? And I emailed the tech help at Roland and, and, and Boss who make my recording equipment. And again, it's the weekend. I ain't going to hear shit. So it was really stressful. And then I drove to Edinburgh the next day. Still a bit. I didn't. I genuinely didn't sleep well. The the, the hotel I stayed at, incidentally, what was it called? The Penta, the Penta Hotel in Birmingham. The worst internet in the world. A genuinely lovely hotel with lovely staff, but dog shit internet. Um, the free internet. I couldn't. I load up Google. The nine ninety nine a night paid internet struggled hugely with Instagram, so I couldn't go on Netflix or anything like that. So anyway, I drive to Edinburgh. It was a long drive. I got stuck in tons of traffic, but I saw B Dolan and Sage Francis, and they were amazing. I saw Rob Alton, and he was amazing. I saw this guy John Pointing, who I'd never seen, but I'd I I did a tweet about the vampire in the Virgin Media adverts and saying how much I liked him. And someone said, he's a comedian. So that's John Pointing. And I went and caught his show and it was fantastic. Um, I saw Beck Hill. It was great. I saw Adam Hess. He was great. Um, I saw a guy doing a character called Wisebaum in the Free Fringe. And that was great. But I was still genuinely a little bit stressed because I was like, look, when... If 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 the people I've recorded this podcast with, and again, bear in mind this one's time sensitive. Like they've been kind enough to to let me launch a massive campaign of theirs on the podcast. That's a really important campaign that I believe in at, at, at to help refugees. And I didn't have it, and I meant to be a professional. So I was like, look, I can't. I basically I cut my Edinburgh trip short. I was I, I was going to stay. I wasn't sure how long I'd stay. But I, I drove up on the, the Saturday, I stayed Sunday and Monday, and I thought, right, I just need to head home, because if they email to say, oh, we can re-record it tomorrow, I can't be, you know, at the other end of the country. So I drove home on the Tuesday, and it was a long old drive, and um, yeah, I got home, and then on, I think it was on the Wednesday, I managed to get in contact and rearrange it, and... Uh, yeah, Rebecca and, and, and Melanie agreed to meet up with me again l- last Friday. So this this Friday just gone, and we recorded it, and they were absolute s- s- saints. And it's a really good chat. It's the second time round, it's, it's it's better. Secretly, I got to try the new ice cream again. So ain't that mad? But yeah, that's what went down. It was stressful and crazy. Um, before we get into it. I'm brought to you by Speech Development Records, obviously. Head to speechdevelopmentrecords.com. We've got a load of cool merch. We've got good stuff. We've got a free music page, which we launched recently, where you can get my first album for free. You can get the War and Peace album, the Polar Bear album, the Giacomo Brown album. Um, Tons of good stuff there, so go and check that out. You can also buy stuff. That's always good, and it helps support us. So hopefully you'll be up for that. Um... Anything else I need to tell you about? A lot, I've got a lot of good good guests coming up, man. Next week I've got Ashlyn B. It was a fantastic chat. Yeah, there's 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 a lot in the pipeline. Um, my new trainers that I've, I've 
I've mentioned a lot of you will know I I designed a pair of trainers a year ago with a company called Who Shoes and they sold out in the pre-order period. So uh, this year on August 30th uh, we're launching t- 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 two male designs I've done and two female designs and I'm so excited about them they're really good. So keep an eye on everything for that. Um, but I won't bang on about it all too much. Is that everything I need to, to tell you about? If you're up at the Fringe, go and see Sage Francis and B. Dolan. It's amazing. And go and see Rob Alton. He's amazing. In fact, see everyone I just listed. Beck Hill, John Pointing, Adam Hess and Weisbaum. Um, that's spelled W-I-S-E-B-O-W-M. Yeah. There was tons I'd, I wanted to see. I didn't... I get to see Sophie Hagen, who was on the podcast last week, and I was on the podcast with her, on her podcast. It was an amazing crossover, but um, yeah, hopefully I'll catch her down the line. In this episode, I've referenced a few others. I recommend if you haven't listened to them before, you head back and check out the Refugee Special with Ramel, the Safe Housing for Women Special with Mira, and the fullfact.org special. Um, all really good. I think you'll enjoy them. And the Greenpeace special I mentioned as well. All worth going and having a look at. But this isn't a whole podcast of, of serious stuff. We do a lot of ice cream talk um, to lead up to it and to end it. So I think you're going to enjoy it. I was super excited. Also, I pitched them my flavour idea. So if it sounds like the tastiest flavour in the world ever, make sure you let Ben and Jerry's UK now um, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. Just let them <laughs> email them, ha- hassle them, um, and let them know that you want the flavour that I unveil as the one that I've come up with, and I think that they should make. Genuinely, again, I, I should also mention, I mentioned it at the start, this isn't a sponsored episode. They've not paid me for this. Um, this isn't some crazy endorsement. It is an endorsement because I eat loads of Ben and Jerry's. I think they're awesome. But um, this has come about because I was hyped to get to talk to them and I think they've got a cool little story. If you're listening and thinking, ah, the Distraction Pieces podcast has sold out, they're doing corporate episodes. It's like, number one, have a listen, you'll see that's not the case. Number two, cool man, it's a free podcast, just tune back in next week, my friend, I'm fine with it. Um, But I think you're going to love this episode and by God, does it mean a lot that it's actually coming out because that was heartbreaking when... I'd lost an episode that um, I'm a professional, god damn it. Hope you enjoy it. This is episode 165 of the Distraction Pieces podcast, a Ben and Jerry special with Rebecca Barron and Melanie Ward. rolling this is a bit of a, a special podcast today because i'm I, I mean it, it's kind of it's a ben and jerry's special i'm not here with with ben and jerry um that would be uh, bizarre really i'm here with a, a rebecca baron and, and melanie Walt um from ben and jerry's and from the irc um so hello how are you guys hello good thank you bit damp. yeah i'm good 
enjoying the British summer. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of it's it's. I left the house sweating <laughs> and w- walked from the station here, being a, a, a rained on. So yeah. just variations of, of how I'm going to get damp. Are the options today? Let's mix it up. Well, um, this is it's it's it, it's kind of an odd one. Um, I will have said in the intro. I'm going to make no apology in advance that if this feels like it's an advert or a sponsored episode, it's not a sponsored episode, like we can confirm that no money has exchanged hands, mm-hmm. some ice cream has been eaten together, <laughs> but, um, but just in a social manner. Um, but it all kind of came about because I talk about Ben and Jerry's a lot, I'm a fan of Ben and Jerry's, and I was invited down to the Ben and Jerry's barn um, to have a bit of a chat and to have some waffles and ice cream and we made waffle cones and waffle kind of bucket type things in 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 the waffle machine and ate ice cream and when you guys were telling me well number one I was taken back by the barn uh, which we'll talk about as a place and then when you were telling me kind of the history and the, the social stuff you do I felt it'd make a really good podcast so we kind of we thought we'd do that so let's start talking about the barn the, the, as you come to the barn you kind of you, you're going th- through nice trees and then there's a Ben and a Jerry's cow just pointing you in the direction <laughs> mm-hmm. um, of the barn and yeah it, it seems like a really nice workplace um, it's all very green I know you'd said before it's all uh, a, a reclaimed wood and stuff like that on the two visits I've had there have been two different office dogs, and I'm a big, big supporter <laughs> of office dogs. So, so how is it, and what is the barn, and what kind of goes on there? Yeah, the barn is our European headquarters, and yeah. um, and it is really lovely, like you say. You know, it's it's a bit of a way out of London. Yeah. Um. So initially, it's like, oh, it's a bit of a faff to get to, um. But once you're there, it's really homely, and it's really, it's just a really nice atmosphere. Yeah. Um. And everyone works really hard, but everyone has a lot of fun as well, and you know, we have a lot of ice cream around, which. <laughs> which definitely Andy. helps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we have our big cow outside. We have cows inside just to kind of brighten the place up a yeah. bit. We've got our flavoured graveyard outside. Yes, um, I took some photos of that. I'll yeah. post some, some photos of that excitedly. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah, so those are all our flavours that have gone to rest somewhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, we usually have a dog or two knocking about. Um, we've all got our own uh, AKAs. So when you join Ben and Jerry's, you get like a Ben and Jerryified name, Amazing. which is a ice creamy pun. So yeah. because I'm a child of the '90s, I um, have the AKA of Dairy Spice. Excellent. So Excellent. Dairy Spice yeah. Dairy yeah. In it. yeah. Um, so yeah, there's just, it's just a lot of fun. Obviously, we work really hard, but yeah, has a lot of fun. And 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 uh, another thing that that struck me is a lot of what goes on there isn't strictly ice cream based mm. it is kind of there is there are teams working on 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 the social causes and on on a lot of things it wasn't again sorry to to pull back the curtain but it wasn't <laughs> there weren't any impalumpas it wasn't no. Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. No, we had to get rid of the Impa Loompas, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, they're unionised, then we couldn't afford them anymore. <laughs> yeah, so. uh, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. They deserve <laughs> their, their equal. Um, but yes, so what is it that mainly goes on in, in the UK offices? Because that's not necessarily where flavours are decided upon or things like that. Again, that's what mm. people might think of. Oh, the offices. Is it all just yeah. 
throwing stuff into ice cream and oh, seeing man. what works. It's, I mean, it's nearly that. It's yeah. not quite. Yeah. Um, so all of our ice cream for Europe is actually made in Holland in mm-hmm. a, a factory in, the Hel- uh, in a place called Hellendorn. Um, and then in the barn, we work on lots of different things, like you said. So we work on our social mission stuff, which is all of our um, activism and all of our values-led um, activities, which we'll get onto. Yeah. We do have an innovations team that sit there and kind of work out what flavours we should do next. Amazing. Um, and they work with a team up in uh, Bedfordshire who are our research uh, and development guys and so they they're the ones that kind of chuck stuff into a big old vat and stir it around and see if it tastes good and sometimes they bring stuff to the barn for us to taste and we say yes that's amazing or no that's a little bit strange why have you done that (laughs) (laughs) who made this yeah (laughs) this is a terrible idea um yeah I love that so is there is there any competition between the different Ben and Jerry's nations on the flavour front, because because one of the things again, I'm I'm foolish enough to follow the American Ben and Jerry's on Instagram yeah. and the UK ones, so I get teased by a lot <laughs> of the flavours that they have that we don't. Yeah. Is there some freedom to kind of go, oh, here's what here's what uh, we've come up with, here's our flavour? So then Americans are looking over and going. I want that flavour. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, <laughs> the US has about 50 flavours. In the UK, we've got about 20, I think. So yeah. they definitely have more. Um, and, you know, some really great classics that a lot of people love, like Cherry Garcia, which you can only get in the UK in our scoop shops. Um, but we definitely have, yeah, we have some of our own that they don't have. And, and it's really interesting looking at the flavour profile across the world as well, because each country has different tastes. So, like, so in Japan, they've got a green tea ice cream, right, which yeah. I don't think we could sell here, mm. really. I mean, I know green tea is kind of... A lot of people do like it, but I'd be surprised if you could oh, make it into an ice cream. They're massive on matcha in, yeah. in, in Japan, aren't they? And I, I know they do do matcha, Kit Kats and matcha, yeah. all these other kinds of soda. It's green tea and absolutely everything. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it'd go... No, I'm not so sure. What's in the chunks with green tea? I don't know, actually. Just, Powdered just, tea. Yeah. <laughs> it's not really appetising. No, it doesn't, does it? Tea bag strings. <laughs> Lovely. It's, it's disgusting. It's like, it's a horrible thought. Um, yeah, um, it's great. And it's, <laughs> there's there's going to be some weird questions here because, as I said, I'm a self-confessed uh, Ben & Jerry's obsessive. Um, is there, like, a first team of flavours? And then, <laughs> like, because in, in, in most shops you'll find c- cookie dough, mm-hmm. a chocolate fudge brownie, mm-hmm. and caramel chew, probably. Um, again, this is how nerdy I am. But then, but then <laughs> it is that, that, that variation. Because one of the things I like when I go to America is, is literally I'll stop off at the randomest uh, petrol stations or whatever on the way home because they will sometimes have a flavour in their freezer I've never heard of. Yeah. It's not like over here where I'll kind of think, well, if I go to big Tesco's, then yeah. they're going to have all the flavours. <laughs> it feels like it's so r- random who has what. So is there a thing where here's the base ones that everywhere has and then you know, specialist flavours yeah, yeah, throughout. it is, because I, I think in the UK we just don't have as much physical freezer space in yeah. shops as the US do. Yeah, of um, And so you will find cookie dough and chocolate fudge brownie because they're our top two yeah. in wherever sells Ben & Jerry's, we'll have those two. And then afterwards, like you say, it's caramel choo-choo. And then the, the fourth one kind of uh, mixes it up. But yeah. yeah, the biggest stores are the ones that have all the different different flavours and the limited editions. Yeah. And some stores have exclusives with us, so there's... There's ice creams that you can only get in Tesco, for example, that you can't get in, in other big-name right. yeah, supermarkets. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it does, it does uh, depend on where you go. I love that. It, it, it kills me that my local co-op has just got the top flavours in, oh, but yeah. not the chocolate f- 
fudge one. Yeah. So they've got the salted caramel and the strawberry. And my favourite is the... I, is I like it? the others, but that's my favourite one. It's like, I saw that a thing, a banner saying topped. I was like, yes, yeah. this... Oh, oh no, what a shame. And it, I mean, in fact, it was... I think it was actually topped that caused the visit because I did a post about it because I'd had it for the first time. And again, I, I get this a lot with you guys and sometimes with Domino's because that's my local delivery place that people think I'm sponsored. But I did this post that it's the first one I can understand why they thought I was sponsored because I got a little overexcited <laughs> and I boldly declared it's the best ice cream I've ever had. Wow, um, that's a massive and shout. I posted a picture, I did a big breakdown of what it was. Um, <laughs> But then to prove that it wasn't sponsored, I screenshotted a, the, the message I sent to DJ Yoda, who is one of my little a ben and, a Jerry's obsessive friends, <laughs> where I just messaged him going, dude, there's, the new, there's these new Ben & Jerry's flavours. <laughs> they're better than anything else. Um, is Topped your favourite now? It is. Has it topped the other flavours? It has, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Um, I, I'm, I'm also a fan of that from when I was a kid. I've only re-found it recently that um, like chocolate sauce that goes hard after yes. you squeeze it on mm-hmm. and topped is just st- st- stopping me having to get that because you've got <laughs> that layer of hard chocolate already yeah. so I don't kind of need to so previously I'd go for for, for chocolate fudge brownie maybe mixed with peanut butter cup and some chocolate sauce mm. on top and, and there we go but yeah so that had a lot of people accusing me of being sponsored and then I um I talked about it on the podcast and I said that in America, you know, there's two different talk show hosts that have their own flavour. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, I want a Scroobius Pit flavour of, <laughs> of, of Ben & Jerry's. I want to be the first a UK affiliate. Imagine my smiling bearded face in between Ben & Jerry's <laughs> smiling bearded faces. It, 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 it's gold. It sells itself. But people were then asking me a lot what my flavour would be and I vowed I'd only reveal it when I'm in the room with you guys on the <laughs> podcast that might be checked over by people in the company therefore the people who have the power to, to make it happen um, I'm sure Ben and Jerry are listening they're going to be tuning in of course <laughs> they are um, so uh, one of the things that we discussed on my visit in fact was that you're about to launch the dairy flea flavor, uh, free flavours over here which mm. has got a lot of excitement um, I've said before Marketing to vegans is one of the easiest things in the world. You, you, if you tell one of them, they word will get round. It's yeah. amazing. It's a wonderful tool. But so the flavour I came up with was a vegan flavour, um, and I decided that a, a mistake a lot of companies make is making the focus on the fact it's vegan. So the vegan version of this, the vegan version of this, and then that sells only to vegans rather than to to everyone else and I was thinking of the things I've had that I had and enjoyed and then found out that they were vegan and the first one that came to mind was a cheesecake brownie I had in a a cake shop called Goodies in Berlin Um, and it was amazing it's a a brownie that's got cheesecake kind of cooked into it but not not cheese not cheese cheese yeah it's something else but again it's, it's it's obviously finding those things that would normally have dairy in but you can make a good version mm. oh without so, so there was that and then I thought I didn't want to go Oreos because everyone puts Oreos in everything at yeah. the moment and they're the kind of 
surprise vegan thing. And the other one, though, was a Reese's Pieces, which mm. I love, and they're vegan. So great. So the flavour I came up with, um, obviously the branding is key, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I decided the Reese's Pieces look like a little pips. So mm-hmm. I've called them peanut butter pips. So the flavour I've gone for is cheesecake brownie with peanut butter pips. Nice. It's a, it's a, a quite long name. And it is quite a long name. You could do some more puns in there as well. I was hoping for like a scoopiest pip or something. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Be, I mean, there's a lot that we can put in the description. <laughs> um, I, need, I need to reveal now that when we discussed this before, I put forward a longer name and... You see how I've taken notes? Because you said to me at the time, that's a bit long. So originally I had distraction brownie pieces and peanut butter pips. But again, I'm I'm learning. I want to make this work. (laughs) Give a little, take a little. Yeah, that's what it's all about. (laughs) Yeah, well, I see your improvement and uh, it is noted. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm here for my one-week assessment on on how I did last time we spoke. Um, so yeah, that's the flavour that I think would be it'd be heavenly. It's the mix. It's got the brownies and the peanut butter. It's you can't beat that. That does sound really. It's good. the way to go. Um, yeah. You mentioned um, a, a Ben and Jerry listening, and we've said that <laughs> as a joke. And but what I like about the company is how rooted in what they started mm. it all is, and how involved they are still, and all that kind of thing. So uh, again, it's, it's stuff you told me when I came before. But tell me a little bit of the history of. of, of of how, of how Ben and Jerry started and to where it, it, it went. Yeah, yeah. So Ben and Jerry, both real people, which yeah. I found out this week is somewhat of a surprise to some people. <laughs> they really? don't realise that they're real. But yeah, they are. Um, they met it's like Cargan Das. Exactly. <laughs> you never see the one without the other. Um, ben, ben and Jerry were high school friends. They met um, when they were uh, young teenagers, bonded over their hatred of gym class. Amazing. Um, and um, both of them moved up to Vermont. Um, in the 70s and um, after they left high school they'd both gone on and tried to do different things so um, Ben tried to start a couple of businesses which uh, didn't really go anywhere Jerry dropped out of medical school Um, and then they were living up in Vermont and they said well you know why don't we try making a business together we'll have some fun we'll make some money it'll be a laugh so um, they got a, an old disused gas station and they were going to turn it into a cafe. And initially they were going to sell bagels, but the bagel machine was too expensive. <laughs> so, That's amazing. Yeah, so they decided to go for ice cream instead because it, uh, it was cheaper. I, I love a, m- a massive business choice made purely on, well, we mm-hmm. can't get that, I guess, I guess we'll do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rather than this, this week, you know what? Ice cream is my calling. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, ice cream will do. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were living in Vermont. You know, it's it's a really cold yeah. place to be. Yeah, ice cream yeah. is not the obvious choice. But um, yeah, so they they had a five dollar correspondence course from Penn State University to learn how to make ice cream. Um, their business partner, a guy called Jeff Furman, who sometimes gets called the Ampersand in Ben and Jerry's, yeah. um, which he does not Amazing. love. Um, uh, he wrote. How them much a... does everyone wish he was called Andy? Oh, so it was just so Andy. It was just Andy. It worked perfectly. Literally, no one has said that to me yet. That's a great one. Next <laughs> time so I see good. Jeff, I'll be like, right, Jeff, just I've got a plan for you. Into Andy. <laughs> Makes sense of this whole forty years. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, yeah. So Jeff uh, wrote them a business plan that he lifted from uh, a textbook on uh, on uh, MBA textbook, I think, and um, uh, just 
crossed out the word pizza and wrote ice cream, crossed out the word slice and wrote scoop, um, presented this business plan to the banks. They got a a loan and opened up this cafe in uh, South Burlington where they started making their own handmade ice cream. I love it. And the the ice cream, uh, as you well know, has got loads of chunks and swirls in it, and that's because Ben has got a reduced sense of taste. So uh, they'd be making the ice cream and he'd be like, this, this is doing nothing for me. So Jerry would chuck... Chuck things in to Chuck make it more texture. Yeah, together. exactly. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah. Because that, that's one of the things that a fish food is the first ice cream I ever remember that had proper chunks in that yeah. were really, you know, you you feel that texture, you feel that flavour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess that makes that makes sense if he wasn't particularly getting much. Yeah, it's just it's more ice cream. Yeah, no, exactly. So yeah, so they opened up their little cafe in uh, 1978, um, wow. and. Um, they, yeah, as I said, Vermont's quite cold, so they weren't really expecting to, to last through the winter, but um, they used to do these little promotions, so um, next to where the, the, the cafe was, there was uh, a bank that had one of those displays outside that told you what the time was and the temperature was, right, yeah. and for, every, for that winter, for every uh, degree below freezing it was you got a scent off your ice cream it's genius so people would come in and get their ice cream and it's, and, it's, um, it's genius as well because every degree below zero makes it less likely yeah. you're going to sell any <laughs> yeah. ice cream so it's genuinely it's, it's a great business plan because it, yeah. it, it helps out exactly quantified amount yeah in, yeah, yeah. Quiet. Oh, I love that. No, it was genius. Um, <laughs> yeah, so then the next... Uh, so after the winter, uh, they basically closed up the shop to try and work out for a bit how much money, if any, they'd made. Yeah. They were expecting to make a loss. Um, and they got all the receipts out. They pulled them out from their jeans pockets and the cardboard box under the till. And they got one of their accountant friends to go through it with them. And um, not only had they uh, survived, they had actually made a profit. So on their birthday in 1979... They opened up the shop and gave everyone free ice cream to say thank you. And that's where Free Cone Day comes from. Yeah. So every year now on our birthday, we give away free ice cream to say thank you to the community for keeping us going. <laughs> and that's what I like about, um, again, people will always turn their nose up at any big business and any thing like that. Or feel sceptical that a Free Cone Day, for example, mm-hmm. is a marketing thing. And it's like, it, it is as well. But it's, it's also a positive thing that they did in 78 or 79 because they were happy about their community yeah. supporting them yeah. and it's, it's something they've continued and, uh, and followed through definitely so. Ben has this big thing about um, business has a responsibility to give back to the community yeah. and that was true for their little community in South Burlington in yeah, Vermont yeah. in the 70s and it's now true now that we're a global a global brand and yeah. I think one of the reasons that we've carried a lot of those original values through is because Ben and Jerry realised that um, at some point that you know they have this business they have this product you know they started packing their ice cream into pints and selling it to shops their names were on it their faces were on the tubs they still are yeah. on the tubs yeah, you know yeah, it yeah, really yeah. it like it's a representative it's an ambassador of them and yeah. their values and so before the business grew too big they did things to try and put in place measures to make sure that those values would always be um upheld and actually yeah. that ben and jerry's the ice cream would always represent ben and jerry the people and the values yeah. so yeah it's really nice it's great to hope to have those morals and standards put mm. f- firmly in place. Um, I'm, I always go off on tangents, but the the pints thing is something that must have been a, a massive turning point mm, from, from yeah. taking them to the next level. One of the things that fascinated me, and it made complete sense as soon as we said it, but when I first visited, it was June, and I was, you know, we're all, all meeting for the first time. It's your typical... Are trying to make small talk. Is it all? 
sunny, it must be busy for you at the moment. And you guys were like, well, it is, but the summer isn't necessarily the busiest time mm. for Ben and Jerry's because your main business is tubs that people take home and sit and eat at home rather than, I mean, you obviously have the the witches yeah. and all this kind of thing now as well. But in general, the main thing is, is eating at home. So, so winter yeah. can be really busy for yeah, you because yeah, yeah. more people are at home and more people are, are picking out a little bit yeah. and, and all that our, kind of... um, our busiest day for sales is actually Valentine's Day. Yeah. So February is cold. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it works but the, you know, both ways. If you're with somebody, you might want to have a nice dinner, have some Ben and Jerry's, cuddle up, equally, a la Bridget Jones, <laughs> if you're alone. <laughs> Take a tub of Ben and Jerry's home. Drowning in ice cream. Exactly. Again, it's, 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 it's the genius marketing of, of covering both sides of the yeah. argument. There's, there's, yeah. No one else is, 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 is covering that. I love that. I've, I've said numerous times on the podcast, it's what I respect about X Factor is that people who, who love it will tune in and tweet about how much they love it and people who hate it will tune in and tweet about how much they hate it. It's, like, <laughs> it's the same thing. You're yeah, still yeah. getting the viewers and the tweets and all that kind of thing and that's, that's perfect. It's like, yeah. buy your... your your loved one some ice cream have a nice little treat <laughs> haven't got a loved one make ice cream your loved one and <laughs> have a nice evening in it it works perfectly um so as ben and jerry themselves were kind of activists mm. and hippies yeah self-confessed hippies um yeah. that is something that's that's that stuck with the company so what was their kind of initial forays into into activism and into kind of yeah, it's, it's really interesting because, I mean, since the beginning, they have put their values into their business and, you know, supported small-scale farmers, for example, for, like all yeah. of their milk and cream when uh, they first started out was from family farms in Vermont. They would do things like the, um, the Ampersand in the original scoop shop sign um, was a rainbow flag and it was yeah. very intentionally an inclusive space and um, they were the, one of the first companies to give um, medical benefits to same-sex couples if you if your partner worked for the company you got the same health benefits that uh, health insurance that a married couple would. oh that's amazing um, yeah which is really great so they did a whole load of you know putting their values into their business but the the more activism kind of things kicked off when um when Ben and Jerry started packing their ice cream into pints and that kind of turning point in the business, they they started selling them to shops up and down um, the coast of New England, yeah. just trying to get their pints into stores. And um, basically, the, the company that owned haagen which at the time was Pillsbury, mm-hmm. didn't really like this. <laughs> so yeah. they made all of their shops that stocked them sign exclusivity agreements to say, right, well, you can have cr- Ben and Jerry. It's crazy uh, now because yeah, yeah, of how- Varied all, uh, all the markets are, but yeah, yeah, but you can kind of imagine that this big company yeah. has, you know, has the monopoly on this ice cream uh, market, and then yeah. these little upstarts from Vermont come and like try and yeah, muscle 100%. their pints in. Yeah. Um, but uh, so Ben and Jerry, you know, they they weren't happy about this. They were fairly sure that it was illegal, but uh, you know, when a small company goes up against a big company in the courts, especially in American courts, I think you know, 100%. and they've got the money for the lawyers, you're never yeah. going to win. Yeah. The underdog's never going to win there. So what they did instead was they put Jerry on a plane to um, go and see the Pillsbury guys, basically, Mm -hmm. and he set up a one-man picket outside their offices. Amazing. Um, And the Pillsbury mascot at the time was the the Doughboy. Yeah. Um, So Jerry had this sign saying, what's the Doughboy afraid of? And he had his... um, uh, loudspeaker and yeah. his leaflets and stuff um, and basically yeah it was this one man picket but um, what happened was somebody took a picture of that 
and then it got sent to the newspapers in and around New England and it blew up it, it was massive and people were calling yeah. up um ben and jerry started putting um the uh, a phone number on the pints on the on the packets that you could phone up and get a protest kit with like letters that you could send to the pillsbury headquarters and Amazing. stuff like that and it kind of exploded into this thing and eventually pillsbury backed down and and ben and jerry could stock their ice cream in the, yeah. these stores um again i love um, that it's, it's 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 going viral before going viral was a thing yeah. and before a social a media was a thing is it there's a popular thing these days of feeling, oh, what can I do? Mm. Oh, what difference can I make? And it's, it, it can often be, as I said, that was a, a one person and that protest on the day probably didn't have much impact. Mm. Probably a few of the office workers were like, oh, there's some bloke outside. Yeah. Um, ignore it. But it's the photo that then spreads that around and, and, and spreads that cause. It makes me think of, um, of the young lady in Birmingham who, who was standing stoic and, and, and calm in the face of an angry, screaming... Um, it was a Britain a first march. Mm. And she, that was just a, a flash moment. But that spread round and was a real... It, it made people proud to stand up calmly and not aggressively mm. against uh, these people. And, yeah, I love stuff like that. That it can be... It's not necessarily about... I always remember hearing Billy Bragg talk of when he saw Joe Strummer and, and Joe Strummer was giving a talk and it made Billy Bragg pick up a guitar and write a protest mm-hmm. songs. And it's that thing of people are always saying, oh, oh, will this make a difference? And there's not necessarily one thing that will solve any problem, but so many things can influence so many different things. Yeah. If you think how many protests Billy Bragg has influenced uh, with his music, it was, it was very much... Um, the soundtrack of when the um, LGBT community stood with the miners and when the miners stood with the LGBT community. and that, That's real hands-on stuff happening and that happened because of hearing Joe Strummer and then Billy Bragg has influenced yeah. Kate Tempest and the King Blues and all sorts of other people who write protest stuff now. So it's, it is that, that thing where it doesn't have to be is this going to solve the problem? No. Is this going to lead on to other things that help influence that. Yeah, everyone's got a part to play. And that includes businesses as well, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, again, it's good that that, that as that was the route, that's been a key part kind of written into the business plan as such. Yeah, exactly. That's how they started it, so that's how it has to remain. No, exactly. No matter how big they get, no matter how big business or whatever else it becomes, there's still that yeah and it is written into it as well so um unilever acquired ben and jerry's back in 2000 and part of the acquisition agreement they have this ridiculously long agreement written out um and part of it is that ben and jerry's is allowed to still campaign uh the values that go into the ice cream don't change um the this they call what we do in in the activism and the value side of things social mission and we have social mission targets that have to exceed the financial targets year oh, on year. Wow. So it, it really is written in and nothing can touch it, which is, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. And I love that. And I think that can make a massive difference. I had um, Dale Vince on, who, who started and runs Ecotricity, who I think are the biggest green gas and electricity company in the UK. And he was saying the turning point for him was when he made it a business. So rather yeah. than being a charity thing or saying, oh, come on, guys, mm-hmm. uh, let's all be green, it will help the planet, he made it a business so that he could offer, he could get, he got his power on the electric grid, so you don't have to change anything in your house, you don't have to have solar panels on your roof, 
you literally go online and in 10 minutes you switch the power that's coming into your house to completely renewable power and things like that and, and making it competitive financially yeah. so that you're not having to go, okay, I'm going to be a good guy and make the change. It's like, no, it's costing the same as it was, yeah. but it's green now. And now that bill that comes through the door is one that I'm happy to receive because yeah. it feels like a charitable donation and I get to feel good, good, good about myself and all that coming mm. Rather than the bill that normally comes through, going, here's what you owe us for your electricity, and, yeah. like, uh, and, I and things like that. And it's, as I said, that's that's what I like about how Ben and Jerry's work is. Yeah, you do that. Is it's it's part of that. It's yeah. yes, you're a business, but you can that that means that you can attack things in a different way to a charity and so definitely, on. Definitely, so definitely. I mean, yeah, like you say, people don't buy our ice cream because it's fair trade or yeah. because we have all these values-led uh, ingredients. People buy it because it's nice. Yeah. And then we can do all the other stuff alongside it. And what's exciting about the Pillsbury story is, yes, okay, ultimately what Ben & Jerry achieved is to be able to sell <laughs> more of their ice cream. Yeah. What it did was switch them onto this fact that businesses can be activists as well. And actually yeah. you can use the, the PR that goes into a business. You can use the machinery of, of the distribution networks, of the pints themselves, the packaging. You can use all of that yeah. for causes that you believe in to stand up for, for fairness and justice and equality and all of this stuff. And it doesn't have to compromise the fact that, yeah, like you say, it's a competitive business. The ice cream itself is really tasty. Completely. And, and, and people have, have this illusion. I remember I posted the campaign that we're going to talk about shortly. And one person responded going, yeah, it's just it's marketing though, isn't it? And so it can be both things. <laughs> it can be positive and a good change and also good marketing. And what I like about uh, when you do the flavours, uh, for example, is it's, it's I've, I've discussed before, it's one thing for a band to talk about causes and activism and things that they believe in. But 10% of their audience is, is going to hear that interview, whereas 100% is going to hear the song. So when you do these flavours that are for, 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 for marriage equality and, yeah. and, and, and for the refugee crisis, as we're going to discuss, you're putting it into your song. You're putting yeah. it on, on that shelf so people are going to... And again, I'm not saying that anyone's going to be standing in the supermarket and see that and it's going to change there, but it's, it's putting it right there and putting it in people's faces and making it... Yeah, at the forefront of the business rather than just, here's our new marketing campaign. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we really do talk about putting our values in every pint. And then, like you say, we have those special limited edition ones that are to kind of raise awareness for the specific activism campaigns that we're doing at the moment. But it is really great when you pick up any pint of Ben & Jerry's, you know, it does say fair trade on it. And we're 100% fair trade. We bought the first fair trade ice cream to the UK uh, back in it's 2004, amazing. I think, and now all of our ingredients are, are fully fair trade and that's, globally. I mean, again, the, the the claim that it could be a marketing thing or whatever else. Again, I believe that those two things aren't mutually exclusive anyway. Um, and people will say, "Oh, it's so trendy and cool to be <laughs> eco-friendly and whatever now, or conscious or, or social." It's like that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. fine. Let's with encourage that. Being that. A cool trend. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's the things that go on behind the scenes and it's now me bringing it up on a podcast goes against that but one of the things I didn't know that we discussed previously was things like where the brownies yeah. come from and again oh. this is this this is something that I love but it's not something that you go on about and say oh look at how nice we are it's just something that yeah. is done so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um uh, ben has this thing about do 10 things talk about three and it's one of the reasons that I I love going to work every day actually is that that the integrity and the heart is really there and we do things because they're the right thing to do, yeah. not necessarily 
because they're going to make money or make us more, you know, attractive to. to It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's very anti. uh, Well, social media. (laughs) I I did a podcast with Greenpeace a while back, and one of the things that blew me away about them is you you see all their big actions that are on the news, but the amount of stuff they get done quietly, and the amount of stuff they get done with an email, literally saying. Alerting a company, you're next on our list yeah. because of this. We're going to give you a warning now to change it. And because of the amount they've done, a lot of companies go, all right, cool, right, we'll stop that and we'll change this. And it's, it's never mentioned. It's yeah. not, oh, look at how good we are. It's like, I, I love that. It, it felt so gangster to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of going, look, we're yeah. coming for you. Yeah, we're yeah. giving you an opportunity. <laughs> Just yes. so you know. As, uh, um, sorry, back to the brownies. Yeah, so the brownies <laughs> is a great example of that because um, every brownie that you find in every... Uh, flavour of Ben & Jerry's that has brownies in it, um, chocolate fudge brownie, half-baked, the topped ones, yeah. um, they all come from the same place. And, you know, it, it does say on the pint in very small lettering where they come from, but yeah. you wouldn't ever think... I mean, who reads the whole no, back yeah, of an yeah, ice cream yeah, exactly. tub, I don't um, But they all come from this amazing place called Greyston, uh, Greyston Bakery in Yonkers in New York. And... Um, we uh, so Ben and Jerry met the guy that founded Greyston back in the eighties. Is this this businessman turned monk guy called Bernie Glassman? He's really really inspiring, um, and he set up this bakery as a social enterprise. And the way that it works is that it has an open hiring policy. So you go in, you write your name on the waiting list. Mm-hmm. When there's a role available, they call you up. You come in, the job's yours. You have you know like a trial period, training that. and stuff, yeah. but the job's yours. No questions asked. So. You don't have to give them a CV. If you've got a criminal record, if you've been homeless for any period of time, you don't have to account for anything. They just say, here's your second chance, or third or fourth or whatever, completely unconditionally, in you come. Yeah, I love that. We've got a job that needs to be doing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I need to do a job. Cool. Yeah, it's brilliant. Let's do it. As simple as that. Not this complex bias thing or looking at anything else. Just going, right, let's just put these two together. Exactly. And at that point... Ben and Jerry didn't have any kind of ice cream that had brownies or anything else baked in it. Mm. So Ben and Jerry and, and this guy Bernie sort of sat together and were like, right, well, what can we do about this? Uh, what, you know, how can we work together? Maybe let's put some brownies in the ice cream. Mm. And um, it was one of those where, um, again, nice illustration of we had to do the right thing before it was the profitable thing. Yeah, because yeah. Greyston weren't set up to, to do, you know, large-scale baking. Yeah. They, they, the first few batches of brownies they sent over um, didn't work brilliantly. So yeah, <laughs> we yeah. actually, you know, oh, actually, do you know what? They sent the brownies over to be an ice cream sandwich. But... Right. They sent them over without cooling them properly. So when they arrived at the Ben & Jerry's factory, it was all one big mush. So they were like, right, what do we do with this? Broke it up into pieces and put that into the ice cream. So it kind of came about slightly accidentally. Well, but because I mean, I'd, we... I'd like to, 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 to take this moment to personally thank Bernie yeah. for, <laughs> for being responsible for brownies uh-huh. being in ice cream because it, it's brought me a lot of joy over the years. They so, are yeah, brilliant. Yeah, I would yeah. really, I just encourage people to go and look them up on our website because there's an amazing film that makes me cry every single time I watch it because the people that it affects, yeah. you know, the lives that are changed because of this one opportunity that they're given yeah. is incredible. And, you know, as Greyston has grown... They've done things like realising, right, well, if we have um, a single mother who we've given a job to, um, she's probably going to need some help with childcare, so we'll put a nursery on site. These people probably also are going to need more help with healthcare than maybe your average employee, so we'll provide a special scheme. You know, uh, we'll give them extra training, we'll do language classes. It's just grown into this beautiful thing that gives back to the community. And, um, yeah, it's, it's an incredible way that a business can change lives. Yeah, I love that. And I think 
it's really worth thinking about. You know, there's so many problems in the world right now. Like, look at the state of it. And yeah. actually, the more companies that try to do what Ben & Jerry's is doing, yeah. you know, making a product that people want to buy because it's a great product, but actually doing, trying to do good at the same time, yeah. like trying to do their best, um, is really valuable, isn't it? Like, if more companies did that, we'd be in a better place. So cool. some people might be a bit, you know cynical about it but actually don't we just need more of that and that's the thing more companies could do it and it again it it it, it wouldn't damage them yeah do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it, it works in their favor a, a friend of mine who, who does a lot of podcasts stuff with me has got a, a clothing company called redshift and when he started it um he just got his degree in economics and the thing that had blown his mind was how much is spent on marketing so he vowed then i'm not going to spend anything on marketing all the marketing budget i'm going to put into to, to put in on live events, to help out new bands, to put in out music from new bands and help the music scene. So that is your marketing. And you mm. still get the marketing, you still get people talking about it, but you're helping someone at the mm. same time. So sh- surely that's a good thing. R- rather than throwing a, a load of money to have your ice cream on a billboard, have your ice cream and a cause, mm. then it's, it's, it's beneficial. It doesn't cost you any more. Mm. Uh, so let's talk about... Um, at the IRC, um, and we'll talk about the, the collaboration and what's going on with the refugee crisis. But mainly, uh, can you give us a little kind of history on how the IRC came about and and and, and, and what the IRC is? Yeah, um, so the IRC is the International Rescue Committee, um, and we actually started out in 1933. We were founded by Albert Einstein, um, and he got together with a group of friends. There was 51 of them who got together and in, in the U.S., um, to form an organisation. And at that time, um, obviously we were heading towards the Second World War. Um, at that time, what they were doing was helping people who were fleeing the Nazi regime in Germany. Um, and that was the mission of the organisation yeah. at the start. And I mean, it's it's interesting now, it feels so relevant given some of the things happening, you know, in the US now. Um, that, you know, it feels a bit like, you know, the mission of IRC is kind of coming full circle and given... given um, you know, what's happening in the US and Trump's refugee ban and so on. It's, you know, interesting that and, and sad that it's there. But anyway, the IRC was founded in 1933 and that's what we were doing at that time. Um, and since then, the organisation's really grown and changed. Um, we're now a big humanitarian organisation. So we work in about 40 countries across the world. Oh, wow. um, in war zones where people are suffering from conflict, um, natural disaster, um, and so on. And so what we do is we, we help people to survive that. We help them to recover and, and yeah. regain control of their lives. Um, and, and, and the other thing that we do is we help refugees resettle in, in the US. Yeah. Um, so until recently, we've been resettling 10,000 refugees in the US every year. Yeah. Trump is trying to stop some of that and we're fighting back. But, you know, it's, it's, it's the way that things have changed with the refugee crisis. You know, in, in 2015, um, the IRC started working in Europe again. We went back into Greece when refugees were arriving on the shores there and started running programmes again to make sure that they had medical care, to make sure they had water and that vulnerable, vulnerable people had protection. Um, so one of the interesting things about the organisation now is we really have a kind of a view across the, the whole arc of the, of the refugee crisis. You know, we, we help people in Syria, in Yemen, um, in, in war zones. Um, we help them on, you know, in situ. We help them to, in the place that they fled to. And then we help them resettle and try and gain a new life somewhere else as yeah, well. I think that's amazing. I think the thing that struck me the most when I was learning about it was the fact that you're in, in 40 different countries mm-hmm. and that 
that feels like a small thing but a hugely important thing because it's not that kind of oh what can we do or what are they it's what everyone can do it can be a balanced thing it's not an organisation in one country saying well well, we've done our bit what can be done now or or, we're at our limit you can go well no you're not at your limit because look at what this smaller country has done and it's it's fine and it it benefits and tell us a little bit about the recent a settling process because I, I had um, I did a refugee s- special on the podcast um, ages ago. We have a young lady called Ramel, and she was um, a refugee from the Democratic Re- Republic of Congo who was fl- fleeing war. And I mean, members of her family had been killed in her presence, and was literally just had no choice. And the most harrowing part of her story was, or the most crushing part on her side was the seven years she spent in the UK mm-hmm. waiting to be awarded refugee mm-hmm. status, unable to earn, unable to go into education, unable to give back to society. The fear that the media puts upon people of these refugees coming and leeching off society, it's like, well, or not adding to society, it's like, well, giving the refugee status allows them the chance to add to society. And Ramel's a great example to not to turn an amazing 90-minute podcast into a, a one-minute soundbite, but she had seven years like that. And then she finally got refugee status after being in prison and, uh, you know, attempting suicide and giving in. She got her refugee status, and within three years, she graduated with a degree in biochemistry Mm -hmm. and is a carer as well and is doing all these amazing things to genuinely add to our society that that we spend seven years going no we don't think you're going to add anything we're not giving you that status so what is the process of resettling it's making that easier essentially so you can more instantly become part of a community and become part of society yeah so i mean uh, who is a refugee? A refugee is somebody that's had to run away and leave everything behind because yeah. what's happening in their home country and, and to their home is too awful to live with. It's yeah. too dangerous um, and, and you have to run away. And I think it's very difficult for a lot of us to imagine your house being bombed or having to, you know, shutting your front door and not knowing if you'll ever go home and, and just leaving and you don't know what to and and the reason that um, people like Ramel have to go through that is because there are too few safe and legal routes for them to go somewhere where they're going to be safe and going to be able to have um, you know a a reasonable life the kind of life that any of us might like to have and you know we're at a place in the world where um, there is a global displacement crisis more people have had to flee their home because of war and conflict and violence than at any point since World War II. There were over 65 million people who have had to, had to flee their home. And that's, that's awful. Um, but it's also not beyond the capacity of the world to deal with that. Sure. But for that to happen, we need everyone, we need every country to, to play their part. And, and right now, 84% of refugees live in developing countries. They, they live in poor countries. Wow. So actually this week... Um, Uganda. So, so countries that would generally struggle the most yeah. to, to, to take them in and to take that extra uh, swarm of people kind of are the ones who are doing the most at the moment. Right, we're, you know, it, yeah, we're developing That's countries right. where a lot of their own people will live in poverty. Mm. Um, but I think we can really learn from the example for, of Uganda. So this week, um, one of 
Uganda's neighbouring country, South Sudan, has got a horrible civil war going on. And this week, Uganda accepted its one millionth refugee wow. from its neighbour in South Sudan. Uganda's a developing country in Africa. Um, the average Ugandan earns 20 times less than the average European. And yet, Uganda's response to that has been to say... Um, we can help you. We will do our best to help you. Yeah. They've taken in a million of their neighbours and every refugee who arrives there gets given a bit of land, the right to work and the right to move around freely. And now compare that with Europe's response to a relatively small number of people, given how big and relatively rich Europe is, has been to put up walls and to slam the door in people's faces. And do you think it's a, de- a detachment on our side that it's, it's so hard for us to relate to that, to that, as as you said, you can't imagine having to flee, and uh, people seem to have in their mind that it's a choice in some ways. Yeah. If you're kind of you're fleeing certain death, and on the way you're getting out your iPhone and, and looking at what country you'd like. Oh, England mm-hmm. looks nice. Mm-hmm. It's like that's not the case. No one, Ramel, when she got to England, didn't particularly understand where she was. Mm. It wasn't that she's like, oh, they've got easy borders or whatever. Mm. It's like. She was surviving, and mm-hmm. it's something that, because we talk so much in the press of of just blanket terms of refugees and things like that, rather than thinking of individuals, and just, yeah, turning it into a um, a political bargaining tool yeah. and an and, 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 and arguing point, rather than looking at... It's, it's, it's a reality, and it's not this simple... Oh, where do I want to go? Like again, people often say, "Well, why don't they go there? Or why don't they go there?" It's like you, you genuinely think they've got options in these things. It's, it's not as simple as that. Yeah, and, and I think we forget to look at refugees as people quite a lot yeah, of the time. 100%. We just see a label, and these are these are people that could be any one of us. Mm-hmm. Just pure luck that we happen to be born here and live here, and you know, bad luck on their part that they've been yeah. born somewhere else and caught up in a conflict. But both of the. Ramel and I had an episode with a young lady called Mira, and it was a, a, a rehousing for women, and she was brought over under in sex uh, trafficking. Both of them came from relatively well-off families yeah, yeah. in those countries. Um, it's not like they were all, you know, it, it just it, it really ran through to me that it could literally be anyone because yeah. it's not that it's these vagabonds that are, are trying to flee and come to our wonderful affluent country. It's, it's anyone, but they're, they're, they're under conflict, they're right. under war. And refugees aren't refugees because they're poor. They're yeah. refugees because they've had to flee you know, yeah. violence, conflict and persecution. Um, and there are a certain, you know, a small number of refugees who are um, so vulnerable that they're unable to cope with the, the situation that they first flee to. Sure. Yeah. And, and so some of those, um, they might have fled to a refugee camp or, or to a, a city. Most refugees these days actually live in cities rather than camps. But there, there are a small number of them. There's um, over 22 million refugees in the world, but there's 1.2 million of them who are so vulnerable that they just can't survive in the situation that they have yeah. first fled to, normally in a neighbouring country. So in the case of the Syria conflict, they might be in Jordan or or Iraq or um, Lebanon next door. 
and, and they can't cope with that. And so those are the refugees who need to be resettled. Yeah. Um, and what that means is that um, they need a chance to move to a safe third country where they can be sure that they're going to be okay to live there and try and, and, try and build a life. They might have a medical condition, um, they might have been through a particular trauma, their family might have a problem that means that they just can't cope where they are. Um, and those are some of the people that um, Trump is cracking down on and trying to keep out of the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're also some of the people that we need to do much more to help. So um, there's 1.2 million of them in the world. Last year, um, the EU, the European countries, took in only around 14,000 refugees right. through resettlement. Amount, yeah, it's really, really tiny. And it's something that we could we could do so much more to help people. And an example is um, there's a man called Khaled, who's a, a Syrian that my, my colleagues met. Um, and his house had been bombed in the war in Syria. Two of his children had been killed and he'd been severely injured. Um, and he was in Syria for a while and then was moved to Lebanon to have medical care. But he just couldn't, he couldn't stay there. Um, and so he was resettled to Sweden. Um, and my colleagues met him last year in Sweden, not long after he'd arrived. And he was there with his, his family and his wife. Um, and they were a bit unsure, you know, they were in a new place and yeah, I'm trying to get used to it and settle in. And then we met him again a few weeks ago and he's speaking fluent Swedish. Um, he's working in the local hospital. His wife's learning Swedish. They started having fika, which is the Swedish thing, which I think is like coffee and cake. Um, and he's really settling in well. And, you know, he's, he's been able to survive. He's been able to recover and he's making a contribution. He's yeah. working and putting back into Swedish it's, society. It's, it's such a common trend that r- refugees went given the opportunity, truly excel. And I think, again, that's, that shouldn't be a surprise. There's yeah. absolute logic in that. If you've literally dodged death, it's unlikely your mindset is going to be, I want to dodge death so that I can yeah. go on the dole and leech off society. Whether it's like, I want to dodge death so I can live, yeah. so yeah. I can live a life and better myself. And the drive, and I can't Im- imagine the drive and motivation from someone who, as said, has, has come from such a certain horrible end to s- suddenly having an opportunity yeah. to, to live a long life and not be under constant threat and constant a risk. So, yeah, it's crazy that we have this in our mind that everyone's coming over here to try and, or again, to steal our jobs. Yeah. It's always, I think it was the Doug Stanhope used to have a great bit that the main complaints about refugees was... They don't speak our language and they're over here to steal our jobs. And his argument was, if you're losing out on a job to someone that can't speak the language, <laughs> then you need to up your game a little bit. It's, it's like, that's on you, really. You're, you're losing out in that manner. And it's a great point. But yeah, um, so what can be done at the moment? Again, these things can at times feel overwhelming because they're discussed. But what can we do? And as we, we've discussed on numerous points with, with the different small things that Ben and, and Jerry's do, the, 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 uh, there's not a one-stop solution yeah. to the refugee crisis. Uh, we can't say, I've just checked, and we've got, <laughs> we've got room for everyone, it turns out. There was an error. It, was, it, was, it, was, it looked like we didn't have room. I carried the, the one. Uh, we've got room. It's fine. So, but what is the current thing that's the current campaign yeah. that is being done to, to try and make our, our, our governments act on our behalf? 
Yeah. Yeah, so, so like I said, um, there are, it is possible to deal with the, the refugee crisis if everyone plays their part. And the problem mm-hmm. is at the moment, our countries in Europe aren't pulling their weight. They're okay, not they're playing probably, their yeah. fair share. Um, and so in particular on this issue with resettlement, there are 1.2 million people in need. We've got the ability to help them and we're not because our governments are standing in the way. Yeah. And there's a particular opportunity right now on the table to make a difference to this. Um, and that's why we at the IRC have joined forces with Ben and Jerry's to launch our new campaign, which is called Together for Refugees. Mm-hmm. And what we're doing is campaigning together to try and influence a new piece of law Um, that's on the table in the EU in Brussels, which, if it passed in the right way, would set up a new resettlement scheme in Europe, um, which would set up a programme that would um, identify those refugees most in need um, and give them a managed and structured and safe way um, for them to prepare and then to come and, and, and live and have a safe home. Um, in some of our countries in Europe. So um, that's a, a decision that's going to be made in Brussels. Right. Um, and we want all of the people listening to the podcast and, and, and lots of others as well to raise their voices and tell their representatives um, who are going to make this decision mm-hmm. that they want it to pass, that they want it to be the best possible piece of law that gives a fair chance to the, the biggest possible yeah. number of refugees. And so um, we've, we've set up the campaign, we've set up a really easy tool. Um, if you go to together.rescue.org, mm-hmm. you can go there and it's really simple. You just um, put in your name and address and where you live and it will automatically find who your representatives are in the EU system. And then it'll really easily let you just send them an email telling them telling them what you think. And these are that. people who work for you, so you need to raise your voice and make your views heard. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, there's a, f- a few things there. We've touched upon Trump, and it's not something we're going to dwell on a lot, because God damn, there's some horrible <laughs> things going on at the moment, and, and he's right at the forefront of it. But, but one of the great examples he's been able to give us is 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 his 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 refugee ban or his attempted mm. travel ban because he turned around and went i'm the president i'm banning refugees and america went no you're not <laughs> you can't do that and uh, judges and, and 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 politicians all stood up and got that explained to him that he can't and that was thrown out within 24 or 48 hours I think he kind of tried to bring it in and then it was gone and delayed and then it comes back and gets Mm -hmm. fought but that was a for me a key moment in showing to people the illusion has always been the most powerful man in the world is the president of the United Mm -hmm. States of America but he's powerful because he represents us and that's what that that showed it's like you can't just do what what he wants um i saw a video recently that i've seen before and I've, I've watched it twice this week and it's made me cry each time it was obama um after a shooting of of some some black people when he was in in power and he went and spoke at their spoke uh, with the people of their church and they were part of the church group and all that and obama just just start singing Amazing Grace and he's not a great singer but it doesn't it's just the beauty of it and the choir behind him all stand up and start singing it's the most amazing thing and the reason I bring that up is people there's a lot of love and hate for Obama because they feel he promised a lot and didn't deliver everything but again for me 
you know, silver lining, that again proves that it's not an individual position of power. Even for good, you can't just, just walk in and change everything because there are measures in place to make sure you can't. And what we're seeing with Trump now is why those measures are in place, <laughs> if you know what I mean. So yeah. everything that you feel Obama didn't achieve because of the, the locks and hoops you have to, to, to jump through, you're now seeing why those locks and hoops mm. are there because Trump would be banning refugees and banning this and banning that, and he can't. That's why they're there. It's, it's to, to stop that huge change. Um, and the other thing that, that came to mind as well is I'm personally of the belief that we in Europe and in in the affluent West have got room for absolutely everyone. But there'll be a lot of people who listen who are scared and, and, and don't think that and do feel, you know, I'm struggling to get by myself. Have we got room? We don't want all these refugees coming over. I always remember the story of when we were taking in young boys and a lot of people that were clearly older were trying to get through. Again, I looked at that and thought, how desperate a situation are you in that you're trying to sneak through as a 15-year-old? It's not a scam thing in my mind. It's a desperation thing. But even if you're one of those people that believes that, that isn't what uh, this is. This is the 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 1.2 million... Or was it you said that are the most at need and the most um, that either have injuries or disabilities or, or, or all sorts of different issues that that need this. This isn't a campaign or a governmental move to open the doors and, mm-hmm. and let yeah. in all the bad guys or the mm-hmm. people who are... Again, it always annoys me with the fear of, of Muslims. There's, there's a, a massive lack of realisation that ISIS, something like 80% of those that have been killed mm-hmm. by ISIS are Muslims. It's not... ISIS isn't... A, or it is a Muslim problem, but not in that way. Yeah, not yeah. in the way the papers are, are putting yeah. it recently. It's, yeah, that they're a lot of the people who are at need the most as well. But again, all of that fear-mongering, none of that counts in this specific situation because yeah. it is, it's those, it's specifically chosen people. Yeah. It's not just, it's oh, just tick this box. It's, no. it's, it's checked and chosen people that need it the most. And, I mean, the urgency is a, is a massive thing here because the fact that they're the people that need it the most mean that... We need to take this action as quickly as possible because, to be a, 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 a very blunt, even in a week, some of those people aren't going to be here anymore because mm. they're not in situations that they can continue to survive mm-hmm. potentially. So, yeah, it's kind of an important one in that way. And, and as, I mean, you, you, yeah. you touched upon the ease of, of doing it as well. It's, it's so key now of how, if it's just a quick click, and again, we'll, if you're listening on ACAST, you, you you can literally click now and go and, and, and put it through. It takes a few minutes, but that's that's key as well to give people that easy thing, yeah. not to ask. Well, well, oh, well, we need your help, and we need a couple of weeks of your time, yeah. <laughs> and we need you to get some childcare while you come and help with this. It's like no, it's all done for you. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really easy. It will literally take you. It will literally take you two minutes. And in doing that, I mean, 
there is a waiting list of people, the refugees, who need to be resettled and don't have a place to go to. They don't have a safe place because our countries won't won't do this. And we're not saying that even that we should take all of the 1.2 million. Yeah. We're saying that each country in Europe should take a different number according to its its size and its its wealth. Um, but that together, Europe should make a much better contribution towards this than, than we currently are. Yeah. Um, like right now, we take about 14,000 refugees through resettlement a year together, like as 28 countries. Um, we're just saying that actually we think maybe Europe should um, accept somewhere over 100,000 people a year between, between everybody. Yeah. So we're not saying Europe has to do it all. But the point is that every, if everyone in the world plays their part, like we said yeah, earlier, completely. then, then we, we can deal with this. Um, but it's really important and we need everyone listening to, to take an action, to go and click, send an email. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person that's going to receive it is going to be a member of the European Parliament um, or someone that works for, your, for our government um, in Europe. And they are people who we elected to go there and, and, make, and represent us. And if the only people they ever hear from are the kind of people who hate refugees yeah. or want us to turn our back Completely. or the Daily Mail, then that's what they'll think everybody thinks. This and it's up incumbent on us to make our voice heard and tell them what we think and that they should do the right Completely. thing. Completely. I've, I've had direct contact from from politicians in the past saying that they want as much information yeah. of what the people mm. they're representing want as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a podcast with fullfact.org, an amazing fact-checking um, a website, and it's one of the things that they found. They thought they were going to get a lot of backlash because they're, they're, they're proving inaccurate facts that are being represented in parliamentary talks, in on question time and all that. But they got a far warmer reaction than I expected because a lot of people say, well, it's inaccurate because I've been given the wrong information. Mm-hmm. I want to be called out on that inaccuracy. I want to know what people mm-hmm. are want and what the facts are. And mm-hmm. it's a similar thing here that it's not a case of necessarily let's, are we going to badger the politicians and ruin their day? It's like, no, we're going to inform them yeah. of what we want as people and that's what they're meant to be acting upon. And, and it's also that thing, I think, as well of what we were saying right at the beginning of, you know, Billy Bragg heard a talk and then picked up a guitar and then goodness knows what else happened on down the road. I think sometimes it's easy to feel like, oh, you know, if you sign a petition or send an email or something, it can feel like it's going off into the abyss. But actually, it's a real person that's going to sit there and read that. And yeah, not only is it their job to represent us and and represent our interests and what what we're asking for in the parliament, you know, basis of democracy, but also you don't know what that's going to trigger, you don't know what that then, you know, they can go and read, they'll go and find out other stuff. You you just, it's so important to, um, yes, okay, we as individuals, I can't solve the refugee crisis, but if we all play our little parts, the sum is definitely greater, sorry, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. It's so important. It's realising that, all the people in power are just humans as well. Yeah. If you've he- heard anything on this podcast so far that you didn't know, then you can't assume that they already know that. Yeah. So it's fair. And the thing I love, this is a nerdy bit now, but I love the back-end mechanics of yes. this. I love, it's, I mean, it's also benandjerrys.com slash refugee, right? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. The, the fact that you go in there and you put your name and address and then it automatically sends it to the right person. And it feels like a natural progression from when the tubs would have a phone number to yeah. go and get a little <laughs> kit to protest against the doughboy or, yeah. or whatever. It's, it's the natural progression of that. It's like right now it's even easier. You literally yeah. just go here, 
and then you click send and it goes to the right member of yeah. parliament to your representative yeah. um, again yeah. there'll be uh, a default message you could send or you can write your own yeah, and exactly. personalise and things like that so you can put as little or as much effort and time into it as you wish and make it as personal or simply here's my, my statement I'm making my stand yeah absolutely I kind of love that yeah. it's, re- no, it's really great and what's quite exciting is this is a as Melanie said you know this piece of legislation is moving through the stages that it needs to go through in the European Parliament so right now um, the, um, the stage that it's at we're asking people to send an email and it will go to um, a UK MEP called Claude Moraes who's mm-hmm the head of the committee that is sort of in charge of shaping this piece of legislation. Once it's gone through that committee stage, the back end will shift and it will go to a wider group of um, parliamentarians who then have influence over it. Um, so that's kind of exciting as well, that it's live and it develops as it, as it yeah. goes along. Um, yeah, I love that. Well, I mean, well, this is all smoke and mirrors to pretend that um, I care about things and I'm nice. <laughs> the fact is we discussed this previously and, 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 and got to have a little taste yeah. of the new ice cream that's launched this so i just wanted to come back for more is is the reality oh, i see the you, original oh, recording worked it's just fine but i wanted more ice cream so are we going to have another little a taste of the new flavor and exclusively kind of announce it yeah. um as such so i mean as we said the, the the beauty of the campaign can be that or the beauty of, of how ben and jerry's work is that they'll put it, it right at the forefront and make it Wear your heart on your sleeve yeah. as such. Yeah, so, yeah, we're not hiding this. Are you launching a new, <laughs> a, a, a new flavour? Can, can I reveal the name? You can. So, so it's it's home sweet honeycomb. Yeah. Um, and again, I, uh, just the thing that struck me instantly on the on on the packaging is the cow has has got a little sign just saying "Refugees Welcome." And small things like that that means something, man. Yeah, that, that, it that, really that, does. Genuinely having that there is a statement of look, it's all right. You know, we're we're supporting. This will now break up. We'll have a few more bits of silence because we're all excited. <laughs> <laughs> going to try and a, scoop some a tweet of my screen. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's that thing like you said about putting it in your song. You know, this the, if you um, if you go into a shop and you see this and you buy it and you take it home, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people in the UK and then across Europe will have a tub of ice cream in their home that says refugees welcome it's yeah. just such an amazing opportunity yeah. to speak to people I, and to I, just get I them mean, to think ex- a little bit exactly what I was going to say even just the small conversations it can start with your kids with your your friends or family it's just yeah. oh, oh what's that about refugees welcome you know hopefully the question is is, is why wouldn't they be but if it's not it's like you know it, it starts but that, that, that debate and that discussion um, this is quite gloopy, sorry. That's <laughs> no, good, it's meant to be. I mean, uh, we were confessing beforehand that every now and well, thank you, that every now and then we, um, uh, uh, I'll, I'll use a little bit of microwave help if I need my ice cream <laughs> to be a little bit softer at home. But, yeah. I mean, uh, when we had this uh, the other day, it, sh- it shocked me that no one thank seems you. to have put honeycomb in ice cream. No, before. I know, yeah, I think it is a, it's uh, wonderful. a first. <laughs> it's great. So this is uh, this is a sweet cream ice cream um, mm-hmm. with a honey caramel swirl and chocolatey covered uh, honeycomb chunks. Mm. Um, and to me, it feels incredibly British. Yeah, yeah. From touring and that, I, I always remember I'd go to farm shops, or in fact, I've just uh, I've been to Edinburgh, and my, my and my favourite services is tea based services, oh, yeah. which is. It's, it's, it's a farm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all. It's a farm shop. It's it's run on a farm. Everything 
There's no McDonald's or anything else. Everything there is a local farm. Wow. It's local farm produce. And one of the things I'll always buy as I stop by is a little bag of chocolate-covered honeycomb. And it feels like a very... <laughs> A British rural yeah, thing. It really is. Our American colleagues, when we've been sending them stuff about this, they're all a bit like, now, will people know what honeycomb is? Or do you think we should explain that? And we're all like, no, no, no. <laughs> we're, we're fine. People well, know what it is. It's a thing over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, oh, we know about it. Yeah. The, um, some of the honey in this comes from um, a German social enterprise. It's called Nearbees. And um, they basically have this local honey exchange. So part of it is helping people to buy local honey. Buying local, you know, is, is a good thing to do. Reduces your carbon footprint. Um, but also it then supports small-scale um, beekeepers. And bees are obviously very important for the yeah, environment as well. Yeah. So it's, it's just a nice little, um, nice another little touch on this one. It all works nicely. Again, it, as soon as I saw the flavour, it's like it makes sense. Because, again, there is a, a massive movement to protect bees for the environment, for mankind. Um, I've got a guy who's a local beekeeper um, who each summer will give me a little tub of honey oh, because it really helps uh, with hay fever. Mm. Yeah, so local honey, but, it? because mm. it's kind of, because it's kind of, I guess it's got a bit of local pollen in it naturally because yeah, it's bees. You're supposed to eat um, the pollen, uh, eat the honey of the place that you're, you're having the allergic yeah. reaction, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of a nice, it allows your body to then counter that and deal with that which oh, then cool. helps it counter and deal with um with hay fever in general and as i said it seemed like a really a logical one because that's a positive eco thing it's mm. honey it's supporting mm-hmm. bees it's it's protecting bees but it works perfectly as it as this one as as the home sweet cone so is this going to be available Everywhere yeah. from yeah, yeah. So it launches officially um, today, I believe, as as people are listening, um, and then it'll be in shops over the next few weeks across Europe. Actually, so that's amazing. Yeah. Um, I mentioned again the uh, Ben and Jerry's dot com slash refugee. Uh, what was the direct IRC? Uh, um, it's together dot rescue dot org. That's right. Yeah. Um, I think it's just. Sure. I think it's worth like the the, the name of the flavour is quite mm-hmm. cool as well. Like obviously, home sweet honeycomb. It's got like a Ben and Jerry's pun on mm. home sweet home, and then back to the idea that some of the people that we're trying to help just want a safe home because they haven't got one. So it's kind of tying all that together in a in a clever way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> we had a real competition to come up with the name of that. It's a real thing. Amazing. If you're a Ben and Jerry staff member, you really need to try and get a name on a tub at some point. And, right. uh, uh, I lost this one, unfortunately. But this is a better name, so I, I'm happy overall. <laughs> I have requested in the future to be put in on a few of those group emails, oh, yeah. just to have a little go at the puns. I'm, 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 I'm a words guy. We'll add you into our WhatsApp yeah. group. You yeah. can uh, throw some around. Perfect. Um, so, I mean, we'll start uh, to wrap things up, quite frankly, so we can eat more ice yeah. cream. Um, yeah. But, I mean, we've, we've, uh, we've kind of come full circle what I kind of want to know, are Ben and Jerry still active mm. um, socially and things like that? Is that still a thing or is it very much... Because, again, if they're not, they've, they've made their mark and they've spread their word kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah. How is that? No, they are still very much uh, active and troublemaking as ever. <laughs> um, I'll tell you two quick stories. One is that last year, uh, in April time, both of them got arrested um, for <laughs> demonstrating on Capitol Hill. Um, they're doing some work around democracy. That One of the bigger campaigns in the US for Ben and Jerry's is um, democracy and the idea of getting money out of politics and mm-hmm. um, 
fighting against what's called voter suppression laws. There's a whole load around kind of yeah. racial inequality and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, they did a big old protest and, um, and yeah, they got arrested. Um, and then the year before, when Bernie Sanders was launching his presidential candidate yeah. campaign, um, Ben <laughs> decided to make his own ice cream. So Ben and Jerry's, you know, we're political, but we're non-partisan, we say. So we're right, active, yeah, but course. we don't support a particular party over, yeah. over anything else. And that's um, important that the IRC and, mm, yeah. and, and, and Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, it, it makes sense so that it isn't just we're politically led or led by one party. It's global issues and yeah, and it's much more then about the issue and actually achieving justice rather yeah. than about any one particular particular yeah. political ideology. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but um, so Bernie is is uh, the Vermont senator, so a big part of uh, the uh, the culture of Ben and Jerry's in in the US. Um, and Ben launched a pint called. Uh, uh, Ben's special, I think, and it just it looked the same as a Ben and Jerry's tub, and all these papers were like Ben and Jerry's have launched a campaign to support Bernie Sanders, and we were all like, no, 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 we haven't, we really haven't. That's so good, um, I love the Ben of Ben and Jerry's. He's making bootleg ice yeah, cream. Yeah, yeah, he, he genuinely was. He made forty pints that he made in his kitchen. He sent half of them to the Bernie Sanders campaign. It. it was uh, yeah, very clever. <laughs> It feels like coming out of a gig and seeing a member of the band with merch just on the floor outside, yeah, just, yeah. just telling bootleg <laughs> words. Go, aren't, aren't you? Won't you? <laughs> what's going on here? I love that, and I love that they've again. It's that that they're still active and they've still yeah. still got that drive and that. Um, yeah, 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 definitely. And um, the, the the guy that I mentioned earlier at the beginning, Jeff Furman, the uh, the the ampersand in Ben yes. and Jerry's, he was up until about uh, until this month actually the chair of the board. And, and one of the things about the Unilever agreement that's interesting is that it created our own board of directors, so uh, yes. we're much more accountable to them than we are to the to the bigger business, which is nice. But they're all social activists as well. So Jeff Furman is a huge activist. We've got um, the chair of Greenpeace. You mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. Greenpeace USA is yep. is on our board. So you know they really. They take an interest. They keep us um, sort of true to the original values. They keep us bold. You know, some of the stuff that we go after isn't popular, isn't easy to talk about, um, but we do it because it's the right thing to do. And yeah. I think it's a real um, privileged position, actually, that Ben & Jerry's is in to have this voice. And it's incredible to me to be part of an organisation using that voice to stand up for justice. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I'll, I'll wrap things up there. Is there anything else on the IRC front you'd like to, to mention or...? No, I, I don't think so. Just to, just to say again that, um, you know, sometimes all these issues just feel like so big that you can't do anything about it, but you can. And the fact that people have already been emailing their MEPs, um, Claude Marais, the one that Rebecca mentioned, um, he went already and told the big conference in Brussels that IRC and Ben and Jerry's have launched this campaign and, and the, Europe needs to do more on resettlement. And he did that because of, because of this. So they do listen, mm, you know. Yeah. You buy the ice cream, eat the ice cream, tweet about it, but please, please take the action um, and, um, and, and tell other people about it. And that's it. I mean, on these podcasts, I do an outro and they're proper boring. It's always the same stuff of just a roundup of what's been going on and subscribe and rate and review on iTunes. But in the time it takes you to listen to that outro, which is, as I said, is really boring you will be able to go <laughs> yep. and complete all your information and literally have sent an email to the relevant person in that time so again i'm not saying turn off the podcast um <laughs> feel free to keep listening but again you could in, in in that time you could make that difference and i think you know that would definitely justify you rewarding yourself with a nice tub of ice cream at the end of the oh, day yeah. so win-win well thank you very much 
for coming and chatting. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for rescheduling and rechatting. So it's, I'm, <laughs> thank I'm, I'm you. glad we got through. Yeah, thank thank you. you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to Scrooge Pit's Discretion Pieces. There we go. That was the Ben and Jerry special. How good was that? I bet you didn't expect to get to get excited about ice cream and learn stuff and have good causes. What a bonus. Um, as I mentioned, you're probably not even paying attention now because you're clicking, you're going to, to, to Ben and Jerry's.com slash a refugee and you're getting involved and sending your email um tune in next week guys i've got ashlyn bay and it's a really good chat i think you're gonna really enjoy it so check that out um like and subscribe and blah 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 check out the rest of the distraction pieces network of course hardcore listing which is where chris and stew list their top fives of stuff and have guests on to pick their top fives except for the last six episodes where they've just been going on a little jaunt around the Brecon Beacons, the idiots. Um, but it's a great podcast. I've listened to every episode and it's hilarious. Tuesday Night Jaw, the best wrestling podcast in the known world. Um, st- Stop and Search with Jason Reed. Um, he had Marcus Brigstock on recently. It's a fantastic episode. And Say Why to Drugs with Dr. Susie Gage. as She's done some great episodes uh, recently that haven't had me on. Um, talking about sugar and not specifically nootropics but like mind drugs I can't think of the term but yeah all worth a listen I think you'll enjoy them I'll be back next week see you later Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens.